This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Adam Sparks to discuss the differences between covering Vandy and Tennessee these past couple of years, his opinion on the Jeremy Banks situation and where the truth lies here in the past couple of weeks inside that Tennessee locker room, how much confidence do Tennessee fans have in backup quarterback Joe Milton after Hendon Hooker suffered a season-ending torn ACL in Columbia last weekend? I also ask Adam, what's the recipe for Vandy to have success on Saturday night? And he also gives us his prediction for the game. Plus, we provide a full preview for Saturday's matchup. It's Vanderbilt and Tennessee. Tennessee coming in as a top-10 team, but they are Coming off of a loss to South Carolina, we will go through the history of this rivalry, discuss the weather forecast, similarities to the 2016 game, players to watch for Tennessee, the psychological element and how that will play into this game for both sidelines, three keys to a Commodore victory, and as always, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for this, our predictions. Trevor Hoolan, Will Byram, Adam Sparks, Jack Gentry also checks in from A to Z Sports, one of the more famous Vandy fans on Twitter, especially these past couple weeks. He checks in to give his take on this matchup and the rivalry here in the city of Nashville. It's number 10 Tennessee at Vanderbilt, 6.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff on the SEC Network at First Bank Stadium here in Nashville. It is sold out. Boy, is this going to be fun. Stay tuned because we've got a lot coming your way here on another episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Commodore Nation, let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, Grab a cold one and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. There we are, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report. It is episode 194. It is a Wednesday night, the eve of Thanksgiving, November 23rd. So happy Thanksgiving to all of you, wherever you are, however you may be listening. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Will Byram alongside Trevor Hoolan, of course, tonight. We will also check in with uh, Jack Gentry, one of the more famous Vandy uh, fans on Twitter. Uh, I know Trevor is uh, is familiar with him. I know you are, I think, Will, as well. So he, uh, Jack's, uh, Jack's a great guy. He will check in uh, here in about five minutes or so, uh, give his take on the rivalry. Kind of a hate week type guy. He does it for the Titans uh, at A to Z Sports. So uh, always good to check in with Jack. Guys, before we introduce, let's get to Alaco Finewood Floors. Family owned and operated for more than two decades, Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice. For premium quality hardwood floors since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion 
for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. You can give them a call at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Fine Wood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. Guys, it's time. It's time to preview Vanderbilt and Tennessee coming up Saturday night, 6.30 kickoff at First Bank Stadium. Guys, first, before we get into some of the nuts and bolts of the game, what is the what is the best Thanksgiving dish for you guys? Do you, do you have a favorite? I, I like keeping it classic with, with just, I mean, you got to have turkey, but I, I'm a big dessert guy. I got to have a dessert to top it off as well. What about y'all? Mm, dressing. If it's... So I'm there, gonna, that's the only right I, answer. Absolutely. <laughs> losing losing Will early, not a good sign. Uh, not <laughs> a good sign. So uh, we'll we'll see if that improves. Uh, for he's Will, he's going to come back. I feel it. Yeah, he'll he'll come back bigger and uh, and, and better than ever. Uh, may have to switch to the phone. We'll see. We'll make adjustments if we have to. Just like we've seen. Hey, do you uh, have me? Quickly. Yeah, now, got- I see you guys. Do you guys see me? Yes, I can see you. Okay, you hear me? Hear you. Does it hear? I've heard you guys this whole time, so it's been the opposite of what happened last time. But my go-to is a is a dish that most don't uh, choose, but it's going to be sweet potato casserole, and that is one hundred percent because two. of my mamma. And I'm going to use use the most southern phrase for grandmother, which is what I call her since I've been a kid. But mamma, and it is specifically because of how she makes it. It's all sugar. It is a dessert, Billy. Like you said, you've got to have desserts. Uh, that's, I'm, a, I'm a huge uh, my sweet potato casserole dishes. Not even close. My number one. That's tier one. Huge, huge dessert guy. Huge dessert guy for Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's what I look at. Yeah, that's what I look at uh, for uh, for Thanksgiving. But uh, guys, we got Jack Gentry coming up here. A to Z Sports. He's uh, in my mind one of the best Vandy fans on Twitter. Uh, after Jack, we'll get to players to watch for Tennessee. Three keys to a, a Vandy victory. Predictions. Adam Sparks also at the end. So a big. Uh, Jumbo ex, uh, extravaganza coming up. We got a StreamYard comment early. Love that. Uh, let's bring in Jack Gentry, though, uh, from A to Z Sports. He covers the Titans for uh, the uh, the Titan Up podcast. One of the more, I think, at least I think, well-known Vandy fans on Twitter. Jack, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Happy to be here with you guys, talking a little doors today. Uh, second time on the show, so uh, <laughs> big things coming. I'm a big week ahead. Obviously, uh, Saturday is a huge game between the Vols and Vandy, but uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys, Jack. Same here. And uh, we, we've kind of been that. We our Vandy, I think, connection started at least a, co- a year ago or two, maybe. Uh, but I'm on Twitter. Wh- wh- where do you get your Twitter talent? I mean, wh- where does that come from? Uh, on your Instagram handle, it says I'm, uh, you can. I'm better than I'm better on Twitter. Uh, so, so where does the Twitter expertise come from? Yeah, you know, Instagram's a game of good looks, and uh, I, I like tweeting behind a profile picture on Twitter a whole lot better that way. They don't have to see multiple pictures of me that way, but uh, <laughs> all off the top of the head, all off the dome, Billy. I love it. I mean, that, Saturday night was a perfect day for, for Vandy Twitter, <laughs> and uh, let's talk more about it, Jack. Uh, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, I think – I think a lot of people two weeks before this matchup even started would say to themselves, man, at least if you're a Vanderbilt fan, I'm not looking forward to this matchup. I'm dreading this matchup with Tennessee. Uh, but it's changed a lot the past couple weeks. Uh, what, what, what do you think has caused that? I mean, what, what's happened? We've seen what Vandy's been able to do in these wins, but what do you think has caused that? And how much, I guess, movement do you think that might have caused or a rift with Vandy fans, at least in Nashville, do you think it has caused? I mean, confidence is a crazy thing, right? Especially in sports. Tennessee was riding high all season long. I mean, why shouldn't they be? I mean, 
the, the games they were playing in weren't even close. They played in three one-score games all season long. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just beating the living hell out of their opponents on a weekly basis, how, how could those players not expect to win every Saturday? Now, Vandy's got a little taste of that this week after Tennessee takes a, a huge beating in Columbia, South Carolina last week. Vandy's won two SEC games in a row, Florida and Kentucky, one top 25 road win. Uh, so there's confidence in uh, on West End right now. For these young teams and for uh, Coach and Clark Lee, who's in his second year at Vandy, um, you, you want to see progress, not only in year two, but as the season goes along. And I, th- I think we've seen that this year. Clark Lee's got the boys right. He's, you know, th- there's been guys that have had to leave the program this year for not buying in. He doesn't care. One player's not going to make this program. Clark Lee knows that. That's the team's mentality. And, you know, it, Mike Wright's development has been fun to see as well. So um, I, I think it's a big factor heading into Saturday. Motivation's definitely different on both sides of, of this rivalry, um, which it still is a rivalry. I know Tennessee's won three straight, but Vandy's won five out of the last ten. Yeah, I mean, you look at Tennessee right now, Jack. There's rumors about their their locker room crumbling. I don't know to what extent. I mean, I remember I talked to you on the phone about it. It's kind of a perfect scenario for Vanderbilt. I mean, it feels like 2016 a lot where Tennessee had a berth to the Sugar Bowl on the line and a, a Vanderbilt team that was desperate. They were they were five and six. They were trying to make a bowl game. They end up beating that Tennessee team. So, I mean, how similar do you think this is to that 2016 team, Vanderbilt? At least in 2016, they were more experienced, most likely, uh, than the team right now. Uh, but there are a few experienced guys on this team, like Ray Davis, uh, some of the guys on defense that, hey, they know what this means. I mean, oh, if, you're, yeah. if you're a Vanderbilt player, you – I mean, this is the one game you come up for, whether they say it to you or not in public. This is the one game you you, you really come to Vanderbilt for, honestly. I mean, <laughs> to beat Tennessee, that's at least a lot of Vanderbilt fans' goal. <laughs> Well, yeah, and you're right, and I know they had some recruits in the house last Saturday, so uh, this would just be the cherry on top for Vanderbilt if you could get one over on uh, the in-state rival in Tennessee. But it's it's fascinating. I don't know how much I would compare this game to the 2016 game. Obviously, Tennessee's in a much different place than they were back then. And you know, 2016, let's face it, that was a time where Vandy had um, come off some pretty good quarterback, major highs. Uh, pro- program history highs. Yeah. Um, so uh, Vandy's kind of having to put together a, a rebuilding process as is what always happens when you bring in a new head coach and a new regime. So they're putting some things together. I I don't know that it's a whole lot like 2016. I, I know that we want to compare it to, to, to that game, but it, it, it's just a different Vanderbilt identity that we're seeing run first. Yeah. Their defense is coming along late in the season. They're not afraid of anybody right now, um, and they're playing with momentum. Yeah. Yeah, Jack, thanks for joining us again, man. Uh, quick question about sort of uh, how the local media is is sort of taking in this Vanderbilt team. Um, earlier this week, uh, Kirk Herbstreet made a comment that uh, Vanderbilt's going to outright beat Tennessee. Um, Josh Pate of 24-7 also said that um, – he didn't quite make a prediction quite as confident as Kirk, but he said that Tennessee should very much uh, have their guard up. Um, it's easy for national media guys to say that who aren't as plugged in into the local scene, um, but someone just who is very well plugged into the local sports scene. Um, sort of what's the vibe around this Vanderbilt team? Is it Are they actually buying in to saying like, oh, this team might have some juice to it? 
Or is it sort of like, oh, maybe they just kind of fumbled their way through a, a Florida and a Kentucky team and and this Saturday won't be competitive? Or is there sort of the wheels are turning and they're thinking this Vanderbilt team and Clark Lee might have something going? It's a great question. Um, I, I think it's easy to get wrapped up in Vandy's one-two straight. You know, they're surprising teams right now. But I'm hearing a lot of yeah buts. You turn on the radio, it's all Vols. I mean, let's face it, it's a Vol-dominated market in Vandy City. That's just how it goes. It's it's the state school in Tennessee. When you go to Vandy, most people come from out of state, right? And then they mm-hmm. leave and they go back to their out of state, you, you know, places to live after. So there's not a, you know, the fan base size is obviously, I mean, there's a major discrepancy there. But I'm glad it's sold out this weekend. But yeah. I, like I said, I... I'm hearing a lot of yeah, buts. It, it's not really focused on Vandy getting two wins. It's like, oh, yeah, that's cute. Vandy's won a couple games for the first time in a few years. Good good for Vandy. But it's really all about Tennessee. Will this team get up off the mat? How will this team respond to a blowout loss? And really, they're, uh, I mean, their college football playoffs hope getting crushed. Like, what does Tennessee have to play for? I mean, they're the team that's expected to win. They're favored by 14 points, which, honestly, before last week, I would have thought it would be closer to 24 points. But it's a lot of tension in hookers. Yeah, and, and Vandy, you know, Vandy just proved that Kentucky wasn't a fluke. So it, it's a lot of yeah buts, and I'm hearing a, a lot of, you know, which te- which Tennessee team will show up. Well, that shouldn't be a question if you're so, you know, confident in this Josh Heupel era and the direction you're trending in, right? It should be a given. This is a game you get up for. It's your in-state rival. It's one that you can't lose. I mean, for Tennessee, they should have something to play for. But, you know, after losing out on the college football playoff last week, they're looking at a Citrus citrus Bowl berth, and you can't spell Citrus Bowl without UT. Uh, that's the classic <laughs> Spurrier line. It doesn't uh, get much better than that. Will, beautiful. fire away. Fire away for Jack. Well, here's the problem, guys. I have no idea what you have been talking about because I've been urgently trying to fix my issues, which only pop up when I'm recording with Billy. I have <laughs> never had an issue with connection while playing a video game, never had an issue recording solo and streaming. Never had an issue with one of my roommates playing video games. It's only with Billy, so I'm blaming him. Uh, so Jack, it's good to see you again. I know we had, a, I think we met in person, uh, what about a year and a half ago at this point uh, in the Vanderbilt National Championship run and that uh, fun event that we had long, long ago. Uh, but honestly, guys, I have no idea what you've already covered, so I'm kind of afraid to ask a question that's already been asked. So I, I will say what's up, and uh, yeah, away. You, we can just continue away, and you guys keep asking questions, and I'll catch up. I'm sure I'll think of something, but, dude, I, I don't know what you've talked about for the last 18 minutes, so really hard for me to judge uh, what I'm going to ask. Jack, Jack, how do you respond to that? I'm, uh, I'm excited to see Will. It's been a while, right? Yeah. I mean, you look as cute as ever, Jack, as as cute as I remember. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, My girlfriend disagrees, but uh, that's a conversation (laughs) we have in private. Um, But no, I mean, we were kind of just talking about, you know, the expectations heading into this and how the national or how the local media is treating this game. And, you know, I I was mentioning how it's, it's really a Tennessee dominated conversation. It's, you know, Vandy's an afterthought as you know, they have been all season, but it's time to start respecting Clark Lee and what this team's accomplished in these last couple of games. You know, I, I, I won't what you don't have to ask me a question, but I'm gonna ask I, you guys one. We'll oh, play here a little, we go. We'll play a little tennis here. Tables have turned. Heading into last week, I thought that AJ Swan was the only way that Vanderbilt could beat Tennessee, right? 
the guy that can that can make all the throws on the field. I get it. He's a freshman. It's a big moment. He may be too young to understand how big of a moment it really is. But after watching Mike Wright, are you guys having second thoughts? Do you think Mike Wright, after two wins, you can't pull him? There's no doubt that you you have to leave him in there. Do you think that he truly gives Vanderbilt the best shot to win this weekend? Will said it last episode. I thought it was a really good point. He said A.J. Swan is the quarterback of the future. But for this season, Mike Wright has gotten it done. For for whatever reason, his leadership, his legs, he's gotten it done. He may not be here next year. He may be here next year. But I, I do think what Mike Wright has done, he he's he's built that competitive nature within that quarterback room that you need. I mean, in the NFL, you need it. Jack, you know you cover the NFL. You know, you've got a bad quarterback room. What what's what you know, that's not helping. I think for Vanderbilt right now, they've got a strong quarterback room with AJ Swan, Mike Wright. So it's a tough question to answer. We talked about it last episode. It's tough to answer because of where they are and what Mike Wright has done. You know, but I think a lot of Vandy fans, because Mike Wright has won those games, at least this season, you're saying, man, let's keep riding Mike Wright, you know? But I do think at the bot the bottom line is AJ Swan is the better quarterback. He is the better arm, and he's the quarterback of the future. But I mean, if Mike Wright's there next year, that's a battle. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, Mike Wright has proven himself. He has won two SEC games. Now, we all know A.J. Swan's a better better quarterback. If I'm Coach Lee, I want to build towards Swan. I'm not telling Mike Wright, get out of here. But mm-hmm. I'm saying, look, you know, we have th- A.J.'s our guy, and, you know, we, we love you. But, um, you know, at the same time, you got to have those tough conversations. You know, you got to have those. So that's where I'm at. I don't know if, you know, you guys agree. Yeah. yeah. I actually thought of a question right right before he posed that question that's the question of the day that's the question of the week that's going to be the question of the entire offseason is how do you go away from a guy that's won two sec games in a row after you lost 25 in a row and how do you switch away from him to a guy that you're just perceiving as a better quarterback because he has a better arm i think that's a tough thing to do and i think right now because of the concussion issue that aj swan is facing that clark lee kind of have kind of has that decision made for him and I think everything we're hearing about A.J. Swan is simply to give Tennessee more to think about at the same time while they're trying to install a yeah. completely different offense while after losing their starting quarterback and Heisman contending quarterback. But you hit on something interesting. This has been dominated by the Tennessee storyline, Jack, and I'm, and I'm going to go back a little bit different direction now that I've thought of a question. Uh, but it's ten- been Tennessee storyline dominated. So they have been coming off this South Carolina beating that they took, giving up 60 points. And it's been, is this team going to be able to bounce back from that and beat an inferior Vanderbilt opponent? I'm going to flip that on, on its head. This Vanderbilt team has won two games in a row. They're five and six with the chance of a potential bowl berth. Uh, and the expectations this year were the over-under on wins were two and a half. Mm-hmm. So what is there to lose? this weekend for Vanderbilt. If they come out and get beat by 50, is that going to change the perception of this program going into the offseason, or is this Vanderbilt program really just playing with house money? Uh, they're playing with house money. There's nothing to lose here. I mean, think of where where we were just two weeks ago before Vandy had an SEC win. They had lost 26 straight conference games. Nobody, right. nobody was circling this game. But now, after two straight wins for Vandy and a loss to South Carolina, and obviously the the terrible Hinden Hooker news that he you know he's dealing with a torn ACL and he's out for the season, this becomes a big game again. I mean, at, at least for Vandy, like Vandy fans are should, that the sellout tells you that. And I know that, uh, that there was a whole lot of this checker 
checker first bank stadium not, not a whole lot else now that's gonna be mm-hmm. it's gonna be really tough to get those vols fans you know in into vandy stadium on a cold rainy night mm-hmm. um and get organized like that but um that that was laughable to begin with i can't believe they tried to organize such a thing but <laughs> look it, it, it's definitely been tennessee dominant it should be tennessee's you know top 10 team they're the better team heading into this they have more talent they have a much more exciting offense though vandy's you know string some things together but I, I, I think it's totally a game that Tennessee has to, you know, come in prepared to, to deal with everything that Vandy's going to throw at them. Whether it's Swan getting, you know, other packages or Mike Wright, you know, I cover the Titans. And I, I think this is a lot more like instead of that 2016 game y'all are talking about, I think this is a whole lot like Malik Willis starting against the Kansas City Chiefs. You got to control the clock do a lot of damage on the ground, keep Mahomes in that ten- and keep Milton in that Tennessee offense yep. on the sideline. And use your all-star punter. Yeah, and, and use your all-star punter. And, <laughs> and I mean, really just make this thing as ugly as it gets. I think the rain in the forecast, which is, you know, last I saw was just expected to start around six o'clock. That plays in Vandy's favor. Tennessee's a pass heavy offense. And, you know, while the Vols have the 16th ranked rush defense, that's mainly because, Teams haven't been able to run the ball on the Vols because they've been down by three scores all season long. So yeah. that doesn't that stat doesn't mean a whole lot. You got to put context context into that. Just last week they gave up 153 on the ground to South Carolina. I mean, I think Vandy has a, a real shot to punish them on the ground. They've just got to capitalize in the red zone. You can't settle for field goals against Tennessee. Jack, real quick, really appreciate you coming on, man. It's always fun. Uh, give us your pick. We we will release ours. We will reveal ours a little bit later, but lock it in. Lock it in here. Give us your pick, Jack. Saturday night, Vandy in Tennessee. I think it's going to be lower scoring than most people think than, than what the people down in Vegas think. And I know they have bright lights and, and, and tall buildings in Las Vegas for a reason, but I do think that it's going to be low scoring. Joe Milton last season, 32 for 62 on the year, just averaged six yards per attempt. That's who Joe Milton really is. A lot of people are talking about, oh, well, he's done this in garbage time. They're low leverage situations. Yeah, I, I don't put a whole lot of thought into that. I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Vandy covers. I do think Tennessee ends up winning this one. Um, I, I'm going 24 to 17. Uh, I think Vandy hangs in, and it's a late score by the Vols late that puts them over the top. But I think Vandy gains a whole lot of respect in this game. Yeah, and this is the game, uh, Jack. If Vanderbilt's able to get this win somehow, some way, that'll really turn the tide in terms of how people in Nashville, not just Nashville, but the Southeast region and the country talk about Vanderbilt. That, that's kind of what's at stake for Vanderbilt. Of course, Tennessee, you can't spell citrus without UT. That might be at stake. Uh, so, Jack, appreciate it, man. I know you're debating going to the game. Uh, but going. We, you're going? I'm going. I'm going. Well, I had a buddy in there record. we go. There I had a buddy go. in recruiting hit me up with a few free tickets, so uh, we're taking advantage. There will be some black and gold on my body come Saturday night. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Jack. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely say what's up to you there, and, uh, and uh, thanks for taking the time, my man. All right, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too, happy man. Thanksgiving. All right, Jack Gentry. Never, uh, never disappoints. He's the best, guys. Uh, known him only, I mean, about a year or two now. Will we? We did the uh, the joint tailgate uh, party there. Oh, yeah. Call it for the the baseball national championship that Vanderbilt ended up losing, but they won that game the day we were there at uh, Mill Creek Bruins. So that was fun. But guys, we got the rest of the episode to get to. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Tennessee, but you know, the beef of this is obviously our three keys to a Vanderbilt victory. We will get to our predictions 
and Adam Sparks. I will play the interview with Adam Sparks. The only time he was able to record was this morning. I recorded with him earlier this morning. It's a great interview, though. Uh, you guys are definitely going to want to check in. Before we get to all that, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Tennessee preview. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. A Laco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys, let's get into it. Number 10, Tennessee. At Vanderbilt, the Vols are nine and two, five and two in the SEC. Vanderbilt five and six, two and five in the SEC. The Vols are a fourteen-point favorite in this one. It is sold out at First Bank Stadium, and I think that is a good sign. I, I, yes, there's going to be more orange in that stadium, but it's not going to be as dramatic as we thought it was going to be a couple of weeks ago, guys. This is the most important game of the Clarkley era to date. Um, you know, we we just talked about the stakes. We'll talk more about the stakes of this game. The weather will play a factor, guys. The high is 59. The low is 48. It's not going to be too cold, but it will be chilly. Uh, 80% chance of rain and 10 to 15 mile per hour winds. So not the best best weather, not ideal weather uh, for, for that Tennessee offense to have success. You could say the same thing about Vanderbilt. So this could you know, end up being a little bit of a slugfest because of, uh, of that weather. Guys, Vandyville is going to be open from 430 to 630. The, the pregame tailgate atmosphere should be electric uh, on Saturday, uh, especially just with the excitement. I mean, guys, when's the last time we were this excited for a Vanderbilt football game? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been years. We talked about it last episode. Uh, For me, I I can't really put a finger on it. I mean, you know, this excited. Now, I knew I still know there's some Vandy fans out there that maybe aren't all the way bought in. I don't know why they wouldn't be right now but this is the game this is the game you should want to make an impact on how this game plays out go to the game be loud and make an impact i mean i can tell you billy the last time that vanderbilt's fan base felt this kind of excitement around a football game it was the first game of clarkley's coaching tenure it was the tsu game i vividly remember going into that game It, it was a party atmosphere i mean it was it was a great atmosphere before 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 kickoff it was a whole lot of fun before kickoff, and that was the last time that I truly had fun at a tailgate at a Vanderbilt game. And I have been at a tailgate almost every single game since then. Uh, but the environment and the feeling going into this game, I, I think Jack summed it up well. You're playing with house money. And I've seen some Vanderbilt fans acknowledge that and say that on Twitter and other social media. But to really go into a game feeling like, you can gain everything with a win and you've really set yourself up in a good position is, is just a place that Vanderbilt football hasn't seen. And how, I I mean, I think that's the better question is when was the last time you felt like the future of Vanderbilt football, not just a good tailgate environment, but truly not just you had a good vibe, but there were actual things and tangible evidence of success that you can build on when when was the last time that you guys felt that i think that was probably what 2017 2016 uh, that's definitely a great, early in the Derek mason era 
That's a great point. And I totally agree. I think too, is, is there's one thing to feel excited. Like, even if it's a bad Vanderbilt team, there's just something about Vanderbilt, Tennessee that gets your juices flowing. Yep. I think there's another thing too, that sort of like what Will's saying is going into this is like, there's a legitimate hope on Vanderbilt's side that this could be the start of something really, really special. Yeah, and it's not it's not fake. I mean, this is real. No. Like like this is this is real hope. Uh and Will has dropped out. We'll uh we'll get Will back uh back yeah. in here. Here's a comment uh from Tress Lawless. And uh, guys, fire those comments away here. Uh I know uh if you're watching on YouTube, we will try to answer uh, some of your questions. Last week was my first Vandy game since the 17 Bama game. I'm fiending to be back in the bank this weekend. That's a great oh. comment. I great love the energy. From, I love uh, the energy. Great comment from Tress. Here's Seth Saban. Joe from Aria's space last night was in a bad, bad place. That dude you, sucks. Do you know what what's up with that? I, I don't. Yeah. I don't, so there was okay. There was, and me and um Scott, Scott's your brother, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Me and me and your brother were DMing about it. So we were in Aria and Adam Spark's space last night, and Joe, this Vanderbilt fan who. I spent way too much time on the internet. I totally recognize that. I've never, me and your brother were talking about that. I've never seen this guy on Twitter before. And he's in Aria's space, just like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Vanderbilt fan, but just dogging Vanderbilt. He's like, it's going to be 90 10 Tennessee. The students suck. So and so. And I'm like, we were like, okay. We're like, I, to, to an extent, I understand the frustration. I really do, because there's been times to where I'm like, yeah, the students do suck. The fans suck. But also, like, why in God's name in, like, a city like Nashville would people want to go spend their Saturday night watching a bad football team unless you're like the three of us who, like, it, it means something. You have, like, a personal attachment to it. And he was just railing on it. And, and I was – me and your brother were talking, and we're like, this is one of the first times in a long time that as a Vanderbilt fan in football, you have – like, there's a part of your brain that's like, Oh, like this might be real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. Will unmute your mic. <laughs> okay, it froze up right after I muted, but I think I'm good now. I heard everything. You're good. You're good. Uh, were you going to say something? I didn't know if you're going to. Uh, you just muted yourself again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a shortcut you're pressing or. Uh... Mute myself again. I'm dealing with. Okay, this is. <laughs> oh man, it's muted again. I'm not quite sure why, uh, but uh, we will keep working on. If that. this mutes again, I'm going back to my phone. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm about clear. to give up. Trevor, you hit something. You hit on something fantastic, which is a majority of colleges in America, and 13 of the other. SEC teams, so every single one of them are in a city that sucks. The Thank second you. biggest city in the SEC by population is Lexington, Kentucky. And my fraternity's headquarters is in Lexington, Kentucky. And that city blows. Yes. And that's the second biggest city in the conference. Maybe even Knoxville is up there, and Knoxville is a pile of garbage sitting on a pile of shit. It, it smells is, like piss and vomit. It in is the air. truly like a piece of shit city. It just is. 
And that may be a top five city in the conference. Nashville is 100 million percent better than any other city in the conference. There are actually other bars in Nashville, Tennessee that aren't college bars. The mm-hmm. city doesn't shut down for college football games. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. There is a culture in the city. There's a real city. It's not a college town. And that's the difference on top of 92% or 95% of Vanderbilt students being from out of state. It's yes, Scott, we do need to go find me <laughs> for my laptop. Do you know how good my rants would be if I had any idea what we were talking about during the podcast? Let's start it. I'm going to start that GoFundMe tonight. Let's start and, the uh, GoFundMe. Please. Maybe, maybe just if Vandy beats Tennessee on Saturday, we won't need a GoFundMe because as he cuts out, how uh, <laughs> how how opportunistic. It's almost uh, poetic. It almost is. It's yeah. It's, it's almost poetic. <laughs> Uh, okay, Trevor, we'll, we'll get Will back in here. We got to keep rolling. Uh, for Vanderbilt, this is the 117th meeting all time in this in state rivalry. Tennessee has won the last three meetings by an average margin of 22 points. So, last three games, Tennessee has been fairly dominant over Vanderbilt. The series is dead even, though, in the last 10 years, five and five. Last time Vandy beat Tennessee at home was 2018, 38 to 13. That was a dominant win under Coach Mason. Guys, there's a lot on the line for both teams. We talked about it with Jack. Tennessee is fighting for a berth in the Sugar Bowl. I think we've heard that before, heading into rivalry week with this matchup. And, you know, Vandy's fighting for for bowl eligibility. I mean, you know, you look at that. What is it? What is that comment? Back in the 70s, the Russian basketball team would play the Vols. I always cheered for the Russians. That's how much I hate them. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Joseph. I wasn't alive, but... I cheer for the USSR over Tennessee. That was beautiful. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Okay, guys, Tennessee, before we get to Keys, um, let's talk about the Vols a little bit. The situation with Jeremy Banks is, is very interesting. Uh, Banks is, is you know, you could say the best defensive player on their team on a bad defense, uh, 46 tackles, emotional leader of the team. But there's a lot of rumors going on about what happened with him inside the Tennessee locker room heading into the South Carolina game. Josh Eiple said he will be available. Uh, he was listed on the Tennessee depth chart. But the question is, is he 100% locked in mentally, and is this situation still affecting that Tennessee locker room? So that is something to keep an eye on, guys. Not having him was huge for South Carolina in that South Carolina game, but that didn't. That wasn't the reason. I mean, there's there's some Tennessee fans coming out here saying that, oh, we didn't have Jeremy Banks. That's the reason, you know, we we uh, we gave up 600 yards. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. So. Um, but Jalen Hyatt, guys, this is the guy that scares me. Wide receiver, uh, 64 catches, 1,181 yards. That's third in the nation. 15 touchdowns. That leads the nation. He might win the Belitnikoff Award this year. He's the best in the conference, one of the best in the country. Uh, he scares me the most uh, on this Tennessee team. Uh, the question is, how's Vanny going to defend him? You know, do they? How often do they send another guy in his area? Uh, how does Tennessee use him? Apparently, guys, Cedric Tillman and Brew McCoy are both questionable. Adam Sparks told me this morning he has no idea whether or not they'll play. Uh, any wide receiver that isn't available is going to help Vanderbilt because that's, you know, that's that's what Tennessee is going to try to do to beat Vanderbilt. They're going to they're going to try to beat Vanderbilt with their wideouts. So, guys, w- with Tennessee, do y'all would y'all agree Jalen Hyatt's the player that scares you the most? I, would I mean, any so. dynamic. Oh, go ahead, Trevor. Oh yeah. I would say so. I um, 
I think a sneaky one, obviously Jalen Hyatt, because like you said, he's probably going to win the Bolitnikoff. Um, I think another really sneaky one, um, and I was whenever I was listening to Adam last night. Um, no, I, I'm so sorry, it wasn't Adam. Um, I was listening to someone, and they brought up the point that Joe Milton's number one target is Ramel Keaton. So typically, all right season long, Joe Milton has predominantly ran with the twos, and so whenever he does get in the game. He's going to target the guy in game that he targets the most in practice, and that's Ramel Keaton. Um, obviously, Jalen Hyatt's the big name. Um, but like you said, with Brew and um, Cedric Tillman out, I think Ramel Keaton's a, a really, really sneaky one. Um, to be honest, I don't want to like put my foot in my mouth. I think our linebackers are good enough. I think Princeton fans going to get shut down. Um, I think they'll probably throw – um, Dericky, um, on him, and I think Dericky can run with him. Uh, I think Princeton fans going to be, a, I think he's going to be locked down. To be honest with you, um, obviously Jalen Hyatt, but a sneaky one I would say is Ramel Keaton. What you, what you got I was there? just going to say pretty much the exact same thing. I didn't want to uh, be delayed again and interrupt uh, someone else that was speaking, but I mean any playmaker on the outside is, is going to be a threat to Vanderbilt. And the point I was going to get to was I'm not going to name any, any individual players because all this is going to depend on how we view this game, the outcome of this game, and any prediction we make being wrong or right. If Joe Milton's hitting his passes, they're going to beat Vanderbilt. Their talent on the outside is just way better than Vanderbilt's talent on the defense side, on the outside. Undeniably, one knows that is true. But Joe Milton's not a great quarterback like Hendon Hooker is. And that is why this game is a 13.5-point line and not 31 points. That's why. It has nothing to do with Vanderbilt's success, and it has everything to do with Hendon Hooker and the difference in the talent level that he has compared to Joe Milton. That is it. And I don't want to make Vanderbilt fans feel bad and make them think that Vanderbilt has done nothing to change the minds of the outside perception but money doesn't buy into hype and money doesn't buy into Vanderbilt beating two teams that weren't necessarily dynamic on the outside of the field. Tennessee plays the widest splits in the country and the fastest paced offense in the country. That's literally passing that have the that I losing Will and this is just out again right in the middle okay i think we we lost you unfortunately there a little bit there at the end will um but uh <laughs> oh this is what, what he's about to go back to, he's about to go back to his phone yeah but i think something that jack brought up too uh in regards to joe milton um everybody likes to talk about the fact that the stats that he's put up this season all come in garbage time and nobody – the most of the media doesn't want to address that. And I think Jack's right whenever he brought up that the Joe Milton we saw last year that averages six yards a game, not the one that we see right now who's going uh, up against garbage time and opponents' teams twos and threes and is averaging 20 yards a pass. Um, I don't think that's real Joe Milton. I totally agree with him. Now, with that being said, he can throw the ball out of the stadium. Yeah, but and he will he also can. Yeah, he legitimately he they're like, oh, he's going to 
throw the ball to Broadway. Yeah, and if he does, that's an incomplete pass. Like I don't Right. <clears throat> so I think I think if, if Vanderbilt can stop him deep, which then again that's the big question. Um also last season, whenever we did see him play, his short to intermediate passes not were good. not accurate. Bad like bad. They were pretty rough. Yeah. So if I'm Vanderbilt, I think what you have to do is you just have to drop two safeties deep and say, hey, Dink and dunk us. Yep, I, I I completely agree. And guys, we'll get more into that strategy a little bit later. Uh, a couple other guys, running backs Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. Uh, they've combined for over 1,200 yards on the ground this year, 18 touchdowns. So guys, they use tempo in the passing game to set up that running game. That's where they get a lot of their chunk plays Whereas for most football teams at the college and NFL level, use the run game to set up that passing game. But a lot of these tempo offenses, Ole Miss, Tennessee, this kind of new age of college football, they use that passing game with that tempo, and then boom, they get up to the line, they gash you with a run play. We saw that with Ole Miss. Guys, this is going to be very similar to the Ole Miss game. I'm I'm telling you right now, this this offense, this Tennessee offense, is very similar to that Ole Miss offense and what they want to do. Ole Miss's defense was not very good. Tennessee's defense, not very good. Now, you could argue Tennessee's defense is worse than that Ole Miss offense, than that, than that Ole Miss defense. So I think there, there are some similarities there. Guys, it's time to get to three keys to a Commodore victory. We finally got to this point 45 minutes into the episode. Here we go. I'll start. Number one, pressure Joe Milton. And when I say this, Tennessee still has the nation's best scoring offense. I know this is all with Hendon Hooker, but – 47 points per game, 540 total yards of offense per game, nearly 350 passing yards per game. Uh, Red zone offense, 93%. And I get that. That's all with Hendon Hooker. But as a whole, you still have those receivers available. You've got a pretty solid offensive line, great running backs, and a phenomenal scheme. So this is a system offense. Uh, This Tennessee offense has not really been slowed down all year other than the Georgia game. I mean, other than that Georgia game, South Carolina, you know, they still gave up 38. So, you know, we can't sit here and say South Carolina stopped that Tennessee offense. But, guys, Vandy gives up an average of 300 yards through the air. How do you combat that if you're Vandy? You've got to frustrate Joe Milton in the pocket. You have to find ways to to do that. Yes, Milton's numbers are, are great, but all of his appearances have come up in mop-up duty. I mean, he hasn't taken a single snap that came under pressure. My question, guys, though, for Vandy's defense, and I know you just touched on this, Trevor, but are they going to play single safety high or are they going to go split safeties, play over the top, and not let them throw uh, passes that Milton's comfortable with? Um, I, I can't wait to see how Vandy chooses to play Tennessee's offense with Milton at quarterback as opposed to Hendon Hooker because I know in, in, in public settings, Clark Lee has talked about the fact that, you know, you can't really defend this Tennessee offense much differently with Milton in there, but I disagree. And I think in that locker room, in that coaching room, they are, <laughs> I mean, they, they are playing Milton differently. They are going to play Joe Milton differently than Hendon Hooker. So, and I think the way you do that is getting very, very creative and sending pressures that Tennessee has never seen before. And Nick Howell has proven he can do that. Um, th- does Vanderbilt, have the capability to do that for four quarters and stay strong and defend this Tennessee offense for four quarters, that's the question. But that's the formula. That's the recipe uh, for Vanderbilt. So the my biggest question 
do they switch from single high safety to two to split safeties over the top, or are they are they playing split safeties the whole time and just l- giving up those dink and dunk passes? B- because you know you've seen Vanderbilt do that, but against Ole Miss, you know when you did go single high safety, all they had to do was boom, uh, you know Jackson Dart deep to Jonathan Mingo touchdown. So I just think that the margin for error is so small, guys, in in, the, in this game and all season for Vanderbilt defensively. I think they've improved, and we'll see what they've learned since that Ole Miss game. But my number one key is maybe not. I mean, because you're not gonna you're not gonna pressure Milton every play. That, that that's not possible. But frustrate him enough to where he's not comfortable, to where you force him into a throw he doesn't want to have to make. Because Tennessee, they're gonna try to make it easy. For Joe Milton, they're going to try to to take away some of the de- decisions he's going to make. So for me, guys, it's n- number one key is frustrate Joe Milton, make him uncomfortable, uh, so that he's not able to find any rhythm. I have no idea when I cut off on whatever I was talking about before happened, but I'm just going to lump whatever the general idea of what I was trying to get to was into my key number one, which is good defense to quote Stephen A. Smith, better offense. That is always the case. You watch that Florida game, there were multiple times that Richardson missed receivers that were not poorly covered, but they had a step or two, they had space on the outside, and and Richardson just missed them because he's not an elite-level quarterback like Hendon Hooker. My key number one is Vanderbilt has an opportunity in this game because – Joe Milton is not an accurate quarterback. Just remember that. This this Vanderbilt team in the same game following the same South Carolina loss for Tennessee would have been over a 31.5 point underdog. I'm thoroughly confident in that. The early look-ahead line, regardless, was going to be four scores, minimum of 28.5. So, the Vanderbilt team needs to look at this game as pretty much the same exact blueprint as what has won them the last two games. And that sounds crazy because Tennessee's team is nothing like Florida or Kentucky. Certainly not at all what their offense is built like. But without Hendon Hooker at quarterback, Trevor mentioned the stat, what is it, 32 for 62, constantly struggling on these intermediate passes. And If you're in the state of Tennessee and an SEC football fan, you've watched a lot of Tennessee football underneath Josh Heupel. You watched Joe Milton take those opening snaps as the starting quarterback initially underneath Josh Heupel in in the Heupel era. That Tennessee team looks completely different with him at quarterback versus how it looked with Hendon Hooker with every single other piece of personnel being the exact same. So a lot of what we're talking about with defensive scheme and all this is great to talk about and the buildup and everything. But a lot of this is just going to be that Tennessee has the superior talent on the outside. Vanderbilt needs to scheme pretty much with the same blueprint they had against Kentucky and Florida. Make them hit passes in tight windows. If they hit those passes, they're going to beat you deep for big plays but you're just banking on the fact that you can make them uncomfortable enough in the pocket with quarterbacks that aren't necessarily extremely accurate but have big arms and are athletic. Make them hit deep, accurate, slash medium, accurate throws for big plays. They will one, two, three times during this game, but this team is resilient enough to bounce back from that. Just don't die by a million cuts 
that's my big point. I think me and Billy talked about that a lot uh, in the last couple of years. But dying by a million cuts is truly the most painful way to lose a football game. Losing on six to eight yard plays on 10 to 15 play drives all the way down the field. There's nothing more demoralizing that to a defense and then simultaneously the offense having to come out onto the field. So just keep in mind, Vanderbilt fans, a lot of this hope that we have has a lot to do with the quarterback situation in Tennessee. The rest of my keys will be a lot more based uh, on what Vanderbilt specifically needs to do. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think another thing, Billy, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, specifically, uh, whenever you brought up that Vanderbilt's going to have to bring pressure and make him uncomfortable, um, even to get a little bit more fine-tuned with it, I think the front four and the front three are going to have to have a really, really good game um, because I think what you're probably going to see Nick Howell do a lot of times, I, I hope that we do see them bring pressure. Um, obviously, um, every now and again, they're going to blitz. Um, Anthony, Ethan, Kane, uh, CJ has been an absolute menace in the backfield. Um, I think a lot of this game, though, you're going to have to rely on um, the secondary running a lot of nickel and dime. Uh, and I think what's going to happen is your four down linemen, or in some cases, probably three down linemen, are going to be all up there by themselves and they're going to have to get off their blocks. Um, not just to get pressure on the quarterback, but obviously. Um, as we've seen with Josh Heupel, he's a, a really, really good uh, offensive-minded coach. Same with Alex Galesh. Um, if they see three down defensive linemen, I mean, it would make total sense for them to be like, okay, we've got them pretty well spread out defensively. We can see some massive gaps on this line. Let's run the ball a little bit. Um, and so I think, I think your front four and your front three are going to have to have a really, really big game. I would love nothing more. I feel like we've never called his name as long as we've been here, but I would I would love nothing more than uh, Malik Langham to have a big game in the interior. Um, I would. Has he he hasn't even been playing, has hasn't he? I haven't. I, has, I, he not, I, has he been a rotational guy? He, I he know he has, he's been. Yeah, he's been a rotational guy. He may have started a couple games earlier this season, but. I just think the guys they've had, Christian James, uh, Davion Davis is back. Nate Um, Clifton has had had some really, really big plays. He's had a lot of big deflections, I feel. I feel like Nate Clifton's going to have to have a big game. Yep. Um, Getting your hands up against against a quarterback like Milton is going to be massive because if you're playing against Hendon Hooker, you know, he's smart enough to know, okay, they're coming with their hands up. I'm going to fake, spin around them, evade the rush. Milton feels like a guy, he's going to throw it no matter what. You know, I mean, yeah, you hands I mean, up it, it feels like when we when we try to have the, it, it really feels like Tennessee's offense uniquely feels like a basketball offense in football. If, yes. if their quarterback is hitting his passes similarly to a basketball team hitting their shots, there's only so much a defense can do when you spread out teams like Tennessee does. And when you put guys in as wide as wide of splits and stack receivers and three and four uh, tight bunches way outside the ashes there's going to be spaces to hit passes I mean Vanderbilt just has to minimize those spaces and really you're just banking that eventually the quarterback's going to make a mistake when you're making mm-hmm. a quarterback consistently fit the ball into tight windows eventually one of those uh, passes is is going to be inaccurate it's why you haven't seen a Josh Heupel-esque offense work 
consistently. You you saw the first birth of it uh, with Oregon, really, uh, on the West Coast and that West Coast style of football. And there's a reason that it hasn't really been brought to the SEC. It's because it or requires Steve Spurrier with the fun and gun. Yeah, yeah, but even then, I mean, Josh Heupel is like the fun and gun on steroids. It, it's really yeah. like – it's like Lane Kiffin's fast-paced offense well, on it, steroids. It, it, it's a whole different level of extreme. And that's been my big criticism of that high-speed offense is what you saw happen in the South Carolina game is South Carolina came out and scored on a 15-play, eight-minute drive, and Tennessee came out and scored in a minute. And to a defense, that one-minute touchdown with rest is the same as a three-and-out punt. And you saw that defense from Tennessee wear down throughout the game against a South Carolina offense that was capable of putting up 60-plus points. And you saw that defense just truly run out of gas. They didn't have gas in the tank uh, in that second half. And so Vanderbilt just needs to focus on that. And part of that is creating turnovers and stops and quick turnarounds uh, for Tennessee's defense, because Tennessee's defense is thin at every single spot across the board. Their offense has a lot of talent, but that defense is thin outside those first 11 guys and then two or three rotational guys. Once you get them tired, get them gassed, a couple guys with cramps, a couple guys whatever out of the game, that's when that defense struggles. So just creating stops early and then controlling the ball but a lot of that has to do if Joe Milton comes out and plays the game of his life and is just hitting every single pass on an absolute dime, there's only so much you can do. Just like if a basketball team is out there and their star player is just absolutely hitting everything he puts up at the end of the shot clock, defense can only be as good as the offense is bad, I think is one of, mm-hmm. the, is one of those famous basketball quotes. So that, that's yeah. a little different perspective when you're playing a team that runs an offense kind of how Tennessee does. Yeah, and mm-hmm. guys, the, the the big thing with Hendon Hooker in this Tennessee offense was that he never made mistakes. The guy never made a mistake. He's playing he as good a like football three, as you could. Three or four interceptions in the past two years. So Joe Milton comes in now. After the first mistake he might make, say he doesn't, you know, he may not turn the ball over Saturday, but if, if he throws an interception early in this game, how does he respond? I mean, he, this how does this Tennessee offense respond after turning the ball over? Something they never do because, oh, I don't know, maybe Hinden Hooker is a Heisman Trophy candidate. So, guys, this Tennessee offense, we may be surprised with how different it looks with Joe Milton in there. Now, it's not going to – well, it may not look different, but the production and, and how consistently they score, that's a big key to watch. Let's move on to Vandy, though, guys. Uh, and that is my second key. Offensively, you have to expose Tennessee secondary. In that South Carolina game, all South Carolina was doing was hitting it out to the flanks. They were throwing, they were throwing crossing routes. They were uh, running end arounds and jet sweeps. I mean, they went deep occasionally, but they said Tennessee can't tackle. They can't cover. Let's throw it out to the outside and let them outrun their corners. That suck. I mean, th- this Tennessee defense right now is garbage, garbage. So the Vols are the nation's worst pass defense right now. They average eight penalties per game and one of the SEC's worst total defenses. Spencer Rattler, this Rattler guy threw six touchdowns on Tennessee last week. He only had eight. He only had eight touchdowns on the season the whole year before that game. He was 30 of 37, 438 yards. South Carolina finished with a total of 606 yards of offense. This Tennessee defense is awful. 
right now. They're awful. And they're also banged up in the secondary. They're losing a couple uh, more corners, uh, I think. And, and guys, th- those are really, really bad corners. Like, that's almost Vanderbilt level a couple years ago. Like, I mean, it is Vanderbilt level. <laughs> they they have corners recruited. that are banged up. Yeah, exactly. They haven't recruited, guys. They, ha- they haven't recruited well enough defensively, and it has hurt them. It's come back to bite them. So, guys, if if I'm Joey Lynch, I'm, I'm pounding Tennessee with end arounds, jet sweeps, short stuff over the middle, quick passes to Ray Davis and Pat Smith out of the backfield to just say, hey, come tackle these guys. C- come try to tackle Ray Davis in space off of a off of a, a quick little screen pass. I mean, bubble screen, that's, that's uh, you know, or hashback slip screen. That's the one play in Madden that, you know, feels like it always works. That feels like a type of play that would work because you get guys in space, Jade McGowan, guys. So quick passes, That that's really most of what South Carolina did. Guys, and for Vanderbilt, simplify it. That's all you got to simplify it. Look at the film last week. How did South Carolina beat this Tennessee defense? That let's face it, that this is the same defense you're facing, the same awful defense that you're going to face on Saturday. So that's the difference. But guys, it all comes down to Mike Wright, and this is a great time and comment here from the coach plays. Mike Wright is going to have to be efficient and take what they give him. And receivers will need to make plays after the catch. McGowan needs to be used in multiple ways. I completely agree with that. And yep. uh, Scott says this smells like a McGowan game. Yes, it does. I totally Scott, agree. This smells like an everybody game. <laughs> I mean, this smells like a Ray Davis game. It smells like a McGowan game. It smells like a Shepard game. So, guys, simplify it if you're Joey Lynch. And he's done a really good job of that this year. He really has. Now, you don't need to change a whole lot, but I do think if you can't run the football, which is likely, Tennessee's run defense, they have a good run defense. I'm not saying Vandy will you know, rush for 40 or 50 yards like Florida did last week, but you're going to have to beat Tennessee throwing the football. I mean, that, that you, you're going to have to, and that's, gonna, that's what this game is going to come down to, guys. It's going to come down, can Mike Wright and this Vanderbilt passing offense score touchdowns, move the football, sustain drives? So, I mean, I don't know. You could say they've proven that in a couple weeks, but I don't know that you can because they've been such a run-heavy offense. And, you know, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting, guys. That's that's the biggest key here, and that is my second key. Expose Tennessee's secondary. So, so my key number two and the title of my key number two is control the momentum of the game. And that was actually my key number one. Uh, and it kind of works in similarly to what I was saying in my key number one is this Josh Eibel offense is the most comparable to a basketball offense that I've ever seen. They rely on making runs in a football game in a way that I've yes. never seen. They rely on getting a quick score, getting a quick stop on defense, then another quick score. And then all of a sudden you're only a minute and a half in game time. And all of a sudden Tennessee's on a 14-0 quote unquote run. That's what Vanderbilt can't allow to happen. Tennessee's going to make big plays. This offense and this team is predicated on making big plays, and Vanderbilt's defense has not been good at stopping big plays from happening this season. So controlling when those big plays happen that will inevitably happen for Tennessee, you cannot follow that up with a three and out on offense. You've got to keep doing what you have been doing, the same recipe for success, that produced two straight SEC wins against very different Florida and Kentucky teams is the same recipe that is going going to produce success and a win against Tennessee. 
when Florida hit that big touchdown that seemed like it was going to swing the momentum, Vanderbilt stopped them on the two-point conversion. And then, actually, I think they didn't do exactly what I was going to say. So forget what I was going to say, actually, there. Uh, but just be resilient. Um, they stopped that two-point conversion, which felt like it swung the momentum in that Florida game to keeping it a 10-point game, 28-18. to 18, And it felt like it stopped a run from Florida there that potentially could have happened. So just preventing that, I would say, two-score swing, probably. If Vanderbilt's able to prevent Tennessee from doing more than 10 points of damage without a without an answer from Vanderbilt, they will win this game. If Tennessee's only able to score 10 points in a row before Vanderbilt's able to answer with not even points, but just an extended drive of six to eight plus plays is going to be the key to this because that's going to tire out a thin Tennessee defense, which we keep referencing the injury situation that they have and the thinness uh, especially within the secondary that this Tennessee roster has. So just not allowing that defense to rest because their own offense certainly isn't going to allow them to rest, even with Joe Milton at quarterback. Yeah. And sort of hopping on what you said, um, you you cannot – my second key is is turnovers. Specifically on offense, you cannot turn over the ball. Um, because just like what Will said, just like what Billy said, if you give them a short field or even if you give them any sort of chance to go on a momentum run, they're probably going to take it. Um, like we said in the last podcast, it is reassuring to see that Vanderbilt has made a couple of stakes in the past couple games and still been able to roll with the punches. Um, I think Tennessee's offense is way too good. I don't think you can give them any sort of chances um, whenever it comes to turnovers. Um, so, particularly whenever you take in the elements, the ball's probably going to be slippery. Um, receivers cannot put the ball on the ground. Mike cannot afford to throw uh, an ill-advised pass. But with that being said, um, I think you still have to stay aggressive. I, th I think you still have to be aggressive. You have to throw your punches. You have to, if you see it a matchup you like on the outside with Will Shepard, you have to take it. And you have to know that if it's a 50-50 ball, Will Shepard's good enough to go up against uh, an all-SEC cornerback and bring that down, and he's damn sure good enough to go up against these guys and bring it down 99% of the time. So with that being said, you still have to take your chances, but um, on offense, you just have to be safe with the ball. Um, even if something doesn't result in um, points, flip the field, just don't make any sort of mistakes, play safe, play smart, but at the end of the day, you also have to take your shots too. So that's my second key is – on offense particular, cannot turn the ball over. Another thing I'll add, guys, Mike Wright, he, he's, he has to have time. This isn't one of my keys. This isn't my third key. But there's a lot of pressure on this offensive line to give Mike Wright enough time because this Tennessee defense, they didn't get pressure on Spencer Rattler. It was really confusing. This Tennessee D line has been pretty good, uh, at least in getting pressure and stopping the run. Uh, this year before that South Carolina game. They, I mean, they had they have a good front seven. They didn't play like it last week. If they play to their level, that front seven, it will be tough for Vanderbilt to throw the football uh, because you're not giving Mike right time. Now, that's another added element to, to this game. But, guys, I'm going to get to my third key here. Third key is lay it all on the line. Just just – I mean, the South Carolina player, what did he say? Drop your nuts? I mean, honestly, that that's that's basically what you have to do if you're Vanderbilt in this game. You know, th th this is it. This is it, man. 
I mean, th- this is what you this is what you come to Vanderbilt for. I mean, you come to Vanderbilt to to beat Tennessee, to go to to go to Vanderbilt and beat Tennessee. This is the one, man. I mean, this is the opportunity that these guys have been waiting for all season long, and it's right there in front of them. It is right there in front of this team. How do they respond? The morale has to be sky high right now. I mean, they are the most confident football team in America right now. You you break a 26-game SEC losing streak. You beat Kentucky in the road. You beat Florida at home. Yes, Tennessee's offense is, is one of the best in the country. They just lost their quarterback. Their locker room is in quote, in quotations, in shambles right now. I mean, if you're Vanderbilt, you are licking your chops right now. I mean, we, there are no excuses for, for this one to not be fired up. They're going to be fired up. Go out there and lay it all on the line like it's the last football game you've ever played. And, and I mean, this is it, guys. This is this might be it for Anthony Orgy. This is probably going to be it for Bresnahan and Schoenwald. I mean, this is going to be it for a couple of those offensive linemen, um, you know, uh, maybe a couple more defensive players. But most of these guys will be back next year, so that is the good thing. But there are guys on this roster, on this team, this might be the last football game they ever play. Don't let that happen. Give your team, give your program 15 more practices and make that bowl game. I mean, it is all right there, guys. So my last key there, just lay it all on the line. I mean, you know, fight for every blade of grass and, uh, you know, just lay it all out there. You're playing the Tennessee Vols. There's no other motivation than that. So lay it all out there. So my, I was very excited about my key number three. I was, I'd been typing it up over the last couple of days and it was going to be this beautiful statement about, uh, you know, the Vanderbilt Tennessee rivalry and something about being a dangerous team that plays, that's playing with house money. And there's nothing more dangerous than a team that has nothing to lose and everything to gain. Uh, so that's the, the title of my key number three, you have everything to gain and absolutely nothing to lose. And I wish this was going to be a more succinct and beautiful uh, paragraph like I had written down. Uh, and I see Billy changed my name from I give up back to Will Byram. Uh, because after this, dude, I'm just going to find a laptop on Black Friday. I might change my key number three to Will's just going to go in more credit card debt uh, and buy a better laptop because I'm really tired of having to record this on my phone. But the real key number three is two weeks ago, that locker room knows where they were. And now this locker room is sitting with an opportunity and a, and a real, I want to say a real opportunity, not just an opportunity because they are playing the game, but a real opportunity with people like Kirk Herbstreit picking Vanderbilt as a popular upset pick and being less uh, than a two-point un- or a two-score underdog, according to Vegas. You have a real opportunity to change the entire perception and narrative surrounding this program. What you were recruited in to do, you now have the opportunity to execute before Vanderbilt fans and even players and coaches within that locker room, if they were completely honest, thought you would have the opportunity to do it. If Vanderbilt comes out and beats Tennessee on Saturday in the same fashion that they just beat Kentucky and Florida, truly beating them, everyone in the nation is going to take notice. And this entire offseason is going to be about what in the hell is going on in Nashville? Who is this Clark Lee guy? And what is this team capable of in 2023? 
you have the opportunity to do that this Saturday, to change every single snide comment, smirk, cutting remark that you see on social media, all that shit. By the way, that shit is still happening. All that shit that everyone has talked, and I know they see it, and Vanderbilt fans see it, I see it, where even, it's not even a real insult because they don't fucking take you seriously. This is time to stick that middle finger up even further and higher in the air. And you've done it the last two weeks. And I've never been more proud to be a Vanderbilt fan. And if they pull this off on Saturday and the guys within that locker room, I'm saying all this because you're not going to like my prediction. Uh, But my key number three is, guys, let's go fucking do it. I'm ready to rock. Let's fucking ride. <laughs> oh, I'm ready to run through a brick wall. I think we all, you know what? Now that I've heard it, I think we all have the same three or third key takeaway. Uh, it's the game is I think Vanderbilt has to come in and you should have to show your teeth. I think what you have, I think you're going to have to come out and key number three, you're going to have to be mentally tough. I think you have to realize in that locker room that you're going up against a team uh, that has gotten fat from their riches and they're upset that they're not going to get a playoff berth and there may be a little lackadaisical and you're a starving dog backed into this a Vanderbilt team is starving you're you are you are a starving dog backed into a corner and if you don't get out of this game you don't eat like if you don't if you don't make it past this the season's over like there is no bowl game like just to hate to break it to you APR if Vanderbilt goes five and seven season's over Season's over for Anthony. And that's season's a good thing. For... I think that's a good thing for them right now. Yes. I think you – and that's always what they say. Anytime anybody who's ever heard – had dogs or whatever, seen a wild dog, even no matter how cute it looks, you don't back a dog into a corner because at the end of the day, it's still a dog. And if you back into a corner to where the only way it has to get out is through you, it's going to go through you. And so I think you have two – you have two very different teams to where you have one in Tennessee – that has had their season upended and spoiled, and they're sad because they're not going to get the the fairy tale ending. Versus a team that has gone through way more adversity than Tennessee, not just this year, but essentially their whole careers. And if you don't win this, it's over. Tennessee can mail it in, and they can still play a meaningful game. These guys can't, and I think in the locker room you're going to have to realize that. And so, as uh, as 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 the great Jason Kelsey, best best center in all of football, once said, "Hungry dogs just run faster." <laughs> I think that's what you're going to have to see in this game. I love it. There, I love. There's it. just something about, and this is the last thing, Billy. I know we're already an hour fifteen, and it's the night before <laughs> Thanksgiving. I'm sw- I was supposed to meet people at her bar like thirty minutes ago, but uh, <laughs> there there's just something about you get it as a fan not even a fan because i think we're we're like in between a fan and something else at this point i don't even know vanderbilt fan vanderbilt's fan base if you're truly like people that have shown up the whole time you're like in it but yeah there's something about the guys on this roster that are different and it's hard to put into words it's the it's it's all the stereotypical things that you say like the hard hat and lunch pail guys and the grittiness and you know leaders on the field coaches on the field and it it's just like it would have been so easy and 99% of teams across the country not just Vanderbilt fans or not just Vanderbilt teams 
would have packed it in after sitting where they were at three and six with the upcoming schedule that they had. And I, I just can't describe how different this whole vibe would have been if those last two games would have just gone how we expected. I mean, what everything we are talking about right now is truly something that two weeks ago we were talking about in a completely different perspective. I held up a a fifth of Jack Daniels and said, Vanderbilt fans, grab this. It's going to be a long Saturday in Lexington. And ever since then, it has been a completely different perspective. So there's just something, and it's our favorite phrase, Billy. I think this team, they just got that dog in them. I don't know what it is, but they just got that dog in them. They do. They really do. And it starts with Clark Lee, guys. It it really does. It starts with Clark, everybody on that staff. And I would love to be a fly on the wall in that locker room before Saturday night. I mean, before that kickoff, I can't imagine uh, what Clark is going to say to the guys and and, and what the guys, what their mindset will be and everything leading to kickoff. So uh, tomorrow night, that's it. And guys, we haven't even gotten to predictions yet. Have we? Uh, we, We've got to get the predictions here. We've talked enough about the game. It's time to pick this one. Lock it in. I will start, guys. I went back and forth with this. I mean, I've been going back and forth every day. I mean, I think I've picked like six or seven different scores, different results. But I've come to the conclusion that this Tennessee team is totally different than this Tennessee team that beat Alabama inside Neyland Stadium. This is a totally different Tennessee team that uh, that that beat Florida at home, that went on the road and beat Pitt, that was ranked number one, number one in the college football playoff rankings at, at one point. They're number 10 now. I don't even think they deserve to be number 10 at this point. I mean, they, they are playing like a mid-level top 25 team, like maybe a top 25 team right now. That, that's the way they're playing. And you could argue at Florida's best, Florida at their best is a top 25 team. So I just look, this is about, I know we say this is about us. This is about Vanderbilt. This game is about Tennessee and their mindset, where they are psychologically, how Joe Milton performs. I, I hate it. It hurts to say that, but that's the truth of the matter, guys. And, and honestly, that's, that's the way we previewed the Kentucky game. That's the way we previewed the Florida game. I mean, I don't know the perception from the outside. I don't know if it's changed a whole lot. Uh, but coming into this game, I went back and forth, but guys, Vandy has all the motivation. Tennessee is going to be pressing. I mean, the difference between what Heupel is telling his guys as opposed to Clark Lee is telling his guys and the mood on both sidelines, Vanderbilt's going to be a crazed dog out there, like like a chicken with their head cut off doing everything they can to win this game. Meanwhile, Tennessee is going to be doing everything they can to not lose this game. And that's a dangerous mindset when you're, when, you're, when you're telling yourself, man, we cannot lose to Vanderbilt. We cannot lose this game. You know, I don't know what's going to happen if we lose. If we lose, you keep hearing the word lose. Vanderbilt is saying, let's go win. Let's go beat Tennessee. So there's a, there's a psychological difference I know will play a factor in this game. Guys, I think it's going to be a really good game. And, and I've heard a lot mm-hmm. of people say that. Uh, even in the Nashville area, I've heard Tennessee people say that. They're not confident. They're not. Tennessee people are not confident. I know that the irrational ones aren't, and that's most of the fan base. So, I mean, you know, but at the same time, I think Vanderbilt is just in a really good spot. I mean, you don't want to play. Who wants to, who wants to play Vanderbilt right now? Who wants to play at Vanderbilt in a, on a 45 degree night with 10 to 15 mile per hour winds 
and you know you got rain coming down. Vanderbilt loves that. They love it. That that's Clark Lee, man. You talked about it, Will. I love how you brought that up a couple weeks ago. You said this is them. This is what they want. They want it to be cold. They want rain to come down. Tennessee doesn't want to be in Nashville. They don't want to be playing at Vanderbilt. You know, but that that's kind of the perception at least. This could this could look different at least psychologically for Tennessee. I don't see it looking much different. I've got Vandy 38, Tennessee 35. Vanderbilt pulls it off. It is an instant classic inside First Bank Stadium on Saturday night. And Will is uh, <laughs> the facial expressions are phenomenal. Are phenomenal. Trevor is uh, is pumping his pumping his chest. I love it. I pick Vandy 38, Tennessee 35. There's a reason that my key number three seemed like the way that it was, and. It got it. If you clipped it, it would get you fired up. And Trevor, Billy, anybody listening, you know what my real prediction is. But to quote Michael Scott, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. And <laughs> I and I am O and four in the last four week four Vanderbilt games. And I've been wrong I too. Pre- I've been wrong. I predicted. I've been wrong since I hopped on Missouri. I predicted Vanderbilt to beat South Carolina, and then I predicted losses against Kentucky and Florida. So guess what my prediction this week is going to be? Oh, I see. You're stitching. A loss. They are going to lose 38-24, to Tennessee 38, Vanderbilt 24, because I'm not superstitious. Just a little stitch. And Chess, that's it on checkers. my prediction. I'm not even going to get into any more because you guys know what my real prediction is. Billy, I love it. <laughs> Chess, not checkers, baby. Just a galaxy brain way to skate the question. The universe <laughs> does not want to reward me with, with being correct. So I will give the universe. I, I, I'm playing chess here, like you said. We'll, we'll see if it works. But Tennessee 38, Vanderbilt 24. All right, Trevor, the moment everyone has been waiting oh, for. God. What's your pick for Saturday night? I mean, I think we've hammered on an all-night-long, boys. Is I think this team has real middle-finger FU energy right now. And you don't want to play a team like that in the cold, in the rain, in dinky old First Bank Stadium, late <laughs> November in Nashville. Your season's over. And you got a bunch of wild dogs that are coming out of a Gogan. Give me Vanderbilt 31, Tennessee 24. This is for Clark, Norville, Earl, Barry, Javon, the whole team. There's on top. <laughs> Trevor, thank you. That's what I wanted to do. Oh, my gosh. I feel like that's something we've wanted to do, Will, but we just could never pull it off. <laughs> I mean, you've gotten emotional before, but nothing like that. Oh, my God. to the balls. It's over, boys. <laughs> In the gold jerseys. They're wearing gold, by the way, guys. Give me gold. Give me they, gold. They are wearing gold. <laughs> they love it. They love Hack Squad right now. Hack Squad hey, is, is a legend. Game. And I'll be blood will be coming out of my eyes, and I'll be just snot everywhere, foam on my mouth. Don't come within ten feet of me, because I got rabies. <laughs> same, same. Hey, Will, who's Drew Byram? Who is that guy? I don't know. Maybe my younger brother. Not a. Not oh, true. love yeah. it. 
<laughs> it's a family affair on the Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah we get, I got jealous place. of both of you having family members comment on the last one. So I made sure to message <laughs> uh, my family members to say, you guys have to comment this time. You guys yeah, embarrassed me. No comments last time. <laughs> yeah, the best part of that was Drew says the mic can't handle the passion. Yeah, I, my ears. I don't think I, my ears exist anymore. <laughs> we need to put a we need to put a trigger warning for if you yeah. have headphones in. You got to turn that volume down. <laughs> you should have warned me, man. Oh my god, <laughs> I got these big headphones on. Maybe it was just me, but who? Trevor Hoolan, what a performance! And guys, that does it for episode one ninety four of the Doorport. See you guys at the bank Saturday night. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, 6.30 p.m. kickoff on the SEC Network. Jordan Rogers on the call, so maybe he won't hate on Vandy uh, anymore like he's been doing all season. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Coming up next, Adam Sparks. Recorded an interview with him this morning. He is coming up next here on The Door Report. Welcome back into The Door Report alongside Adam Sparks. He covers Tennessee for the Knoxville News Sentinel in Knoxville, of course, we all know him from uh, the Vanderbilt circles, covering Vanderbilt for so long. Adam, I really appreciate you taking the time. This is it feels a little ironic. Um, I don't know if it does for you, but at least for me and a lot of Vanderbilt people, um, you know, covering uh, covering Vanderbilt in Tennessee from the Tennessee side of things. Now, thanks for checking in. Yeah, good to be on. Yeah, I, I, my it's my second year covering Tennessee, and I, I had a, a number of these moments. The first year where I. I felt like I should be on the other side of the of the story or the beat or whatever. Um, it's worn off a little bit now. But now, I mean, I've been back to Vanderbilt Stadium or First Bank. First Bank yeah, Stadium. Yeah, First Bank Stadium, yeah. Uh, uh, I've, I've been back there since coming to the Tennessee beat for the, the practice, Tennessee's practices for the Music City Bowl last year. That felt a little weird. Um, <laughs> but, but the good thing is, is I knew where everything was. I felt like I was – you know, showing uh, showing people around to a house that he used to live in, um, yeah. but it'll be a, it'll be a little different. Uh, it'll be a little different this week to actually sit in the press box and cover a game. I, I don't think they have the same seat for me, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I, I no. may I may I may go and sit in it by accident and then have to have to apologize. <laughs> <out>. it, yeah, <laughs> Adam, I want to ask you. Of course, you know Vanderbilt fans know you as you know covering Vanderbilt. For so long. I mean, I feel like you really entrenched yourself into, you know, the Nashville community. What, how, how's it been? I mean, kind of, you know, these first couple years, what's it been like covering Tennessee? And we know the differences, you know, we, we know the differences between Tennessee and Vanderbilt. But before we get into this game Saturday, uh, what, what have been kind of some of the stark differences from fan base to coaches, players, academics, all type of different things from, from Vanderbilt and Tennessee? Um, I mean, yeah, some of them people are going to recognize immediately. Um, you know, at, at Vandy, you obviously always had sort of the tension between um, university and athletics. Uh, that, that's always been there. Um, you know, I, even when I covered Vanderbilt, I would always uh, say that it's not it's not that Vandy is so different from everybody else in that way, the SEC especially. It's that Vandy just follows the the older traditional model of college sports from decades ago where right. you know you would say well academics is most important and athletics is also part of the experience and you know that used to, that that was the norm decades ago it's just that that was abandoned or put aside uh you know a number of years ago to everybody else 
So it's not like Vandy had, did something really different in its approach. It's just it never really changed with the rest, for better or worse. It depends on sort of what you value in that conversation. Um, and, and at Tennessee, that's – I mean, Tennessee looks like, you know, all the other SEC schools in that way. Um, I mean, athletics drives things. And there's never a conversation at Tennessee – whether or not athletics should take a, even a half a step back in terms of money right. or support or fun, funding, anything like that. Um, so, uh, it, it, you know, in terms of the beat, um, everything is on steroids at Tennessee compared to Vanderbilt. And what I mean is when things are, when I covered Vandy, you know, when they would take a tough loss or something or somebody would, you know, transfer or our coach was fired, whatever, it would be bad. When the same thing happens at Tennessee, it's catastrophic. When a good thing would happen at Vanderbilt, they'd win a big game, they'd get to a bowl game, they'd land a good prospect, whatever. It was it was really good. At Tennessee, it's a moon landing. You know, <laughs> so, so it's, I mean, it's just everything is just um, – Everything is just exaggerated. Everything is on steroids at Tennessee. And um, what one of my maybe misconceptions coming to the beat was I thought my biggest headache would be Vol Twitter. You know, everybody knows about Vol <laughs> Twitter. And, I mean, I would even have some interactions with Vol Twitter on the Vandy beat. Uh, I've had no problems with Vol Twitter. Uh, and I've said this a number of times on the beat is that Vol Twitter has not been a problem for me. Vol Facebook is the problem. Oh, so that's a little bit different, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a I guess maybe it's a generational thing. Vault Twitter is uh is funny and savage in certain ways, yeah. but you sort of get the joke. Yeah. Or maybe at a certain age you get the joke and Facebook they, gets a little personal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Vault Twitter Vault Twitter is 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 vicious, but it doesn't take itself seriously. Right. Um Vault Facebook um, you know, <laughs> thinks every story written, every quote taken, every lead in a story is, you know, is like the Gettysburg Address and should be treated that way. So, well, at least uh, at least you had a little bit of familiarity with Tennessee fans, Vol Twitter, maybe not Vol Facebook, as I'm hearing, but uh, you know, you, you had a little bit of a taste of it before you before you even got to Knoxville. Um, Adam, I want to get now to the Jeremy Banks situation. This is what everybody is talking about. And this is a perfect example of everything is amplified at Tennessee. Say this happens at Vanderbilt, you know, this may not even be the talking point. You know, it, this this could be Clark, you know, maybe Clark says something different about it. But Josh Heupel, you asked him. I mean, we, we you asked him directly, uh, you know, the rumors that were going around and I mean, I guess you could say he deflected it, but the fact that he did points to, you know, what actually happened. You know, do, do, do you know what happened? Is there truth here? Where does the truth lie with the Jeremy Banks situation? I don't know exactly what happened, no. Um, yeah, this is a good example of it because, I mean, some things like this would happen at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, why isn't this player available? I heard he wasn't at practice. Um, I heard this thing happen. It's just at, at Vanderbilt when something like this would happen, there would be like, you know, three rumors. You know? Right. Is and it, there's is not it as a? much clamoring, you know, from yeah. fans, I guess. Is it is it A, B, or C? Which one happened? Oh, or <laughs> D, all the above. At Tennessee, I've heard like 30 rumors. And 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 I love the ones that have, have like combined with each other that um <laughs> You know, I, I 
I got one this week um, that Hendon Hooker's ACL was partially torn in a fight with Jeremy Banks <laughs> over NIL. Oh man! And and then the the defense the defense somehow quit the game or refused to play. But I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I may be combining some of them too, but at, at Vanderbilt, when something like this would happen, that was, uh, we didn't quite know the full story. You'd get like three rumors at Tennessee. You get like 30 rumors and that's some of those ball Twitter and ball Facebook and all that. And it just feeds on itself. There's just more people. Yeah. Um, and there's more imagination, I would say. Um, and, and there's more media. Um, I mean, at uh, at Vandy, you would have the standard, uh, you know, you would have the Tennessean who I wrote for, and you would have a twenty four seven. You'd have rivals, and you would have uh, a few other sites. You you would have your coverage. You would have uh, you know some podcasts out there, but you could sort of count them on two hands. Right uh, at at Tennessee, you can count on two hands maybe who's in the room at the press conferences, but then you can count on fifty hands all the you know, all the secondary, tertiary, whatever media that's out there that who have never met Josh Hoppel and wouldn't know Hendon Hooker, you know, I mean, I guess they would know him, but uh, he wouldn't know them. Right. And so there, there's, you know, there's there's more leeway there to just take a rumor and run with it as if it's a report. I, 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 I've told Tennessee fans that this this week, if you take the if you take the 20 rumors that you've heard, uh take the 10 craziest ones and just put them off the table. That, that didn't happen. Um, and then of the 10 remaining, uh, take the, the one in the middle, maybe that sounds the most logical and that's maybe close to the truth. I, I think Jeremy Banks uh, had an altercation. We can take that from the fact that I asked Josh Hopple and he did not deny that there was an altercation. I think Jeremy Banks was suspended um, because I asked Josh Hopple and he, he did not answer that. If you if you don't suspend a player and then in a public setting you're asked, did you suspend the player? If you didn't suspend him, you say no, he wasn't suspended, and you move on. Uh, all that told me was there was an altercation of some kind. He was punished, uh, and that's why he was not at the game. Uh, beyond that, I think the most logical thing is I think there was an altercation. Um, I think Jeremy Banks did not react well to the altercation. Um, I think probably missed a practice, missed a meeting. Um, instead of kissing and making up, he he made it worse than it that it should have been, and uh, and that's why he was punished. I think more of the aftermath. I think it was more of a cumulative thing than it was uh, just one incident. Um, and I also think if Jeremy Banks didn't react in a bad way to whatever the altercation was, I think we probably never would have heard about it because these things happen on teams. Um, uh, but that, that's why I think he did not play last week. And everything that's happened after that has been grossly exaggerated. The fact that people are blaming Jeremy Banks's absence on that for the loss is, boy, that's going to be quite a stretch. I think there, I think morale was down a little bit because there was some tension on the team. And that maybe contributed to the fact that they came out flat in the game. The fact that he didn't play, I don't think, makes that much difference. He's their best blitzing linebacker. Um, so that would have helped a little bit, but they got beat because their secondary got torched. And, you know, for the people that tuned into that and say, well, how did Spencer Rattler throw for 400 yards? Well, uh, Bryce Young threw for 400 yards on them. Anthony right. Richardson threw for 400 yards on them. They've had seven SEC games and three of the seven quarterbacks have thrown for 400 yards. So 
that this was actually <laughs> closer to the norm than people would think. Right. Uh, they lost the game because they got outplayed and they weren't ready to play. Maybe maybe 5% of that goes to Jeremy Banks' uh, absence, but I wouldn't go much further than that. Adam, you mentioned Hendon Hooker, and I, I hate it for the guy. I mean, you know, really likable guy, and, um, you know, he was on track to likely, you know, be in New York for the Heisman Trophy and maybe win it. Um, so that that really is just awful to see. In terms of his backup, Joe Milton, you know, we've seen a little bit from him. His stats are really off the charts. I mean, he's you know, the, the, the mop-up duty that he has been in, he's played well. So for, for Tennessee fans – and at least for Vanderbilt fans to kind of figure out what they might get from Milton on Saturday night, how much confidence do you think Tennessee fans should have in Joe Milton Saturday night, maybe leading them to victory? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many things that go to the Hendon Hooker injury that could affect this game. Uh, I think maybe the biggest one um, is is sort of the hangover effect. Um I know Vanderbilt fans and those around the SEC kind of understand somewhat about what Hendon Hooker means to this team and the program. Um, but it, it goes a whole lot deeper to like team leader and all the sort of things. Um, I, I can make a, a somewhat of a comparison for my time covering Vandy uh, that um, imagine if Dansby Swanson tore up his knee, um, you know, late in the uh, 2015 or 2014 season Um yeah, you could plug in a shortstop. Yeah, well, second baseman in 2014. Right. Yeah, you could plug in a guy who could affect the team, but there, there just be there would be more than just replacing the player, right? And there would be a hangover effect from that uh, that would would affect results after that. That that's the that's the biggest thing. I mean, there were a number of guys crying like during the game and certainly after the game by the fact that Hendon Hooker went down. There could there could be a hangover effect from that. Th- there certainly was early this week. Players admitted to it. Eventually, you got to turn the page and prepare for Vanderbilt. That you know l- looks like a much better team than they were like a month ago. Um, Joe Milton can run the offense fine. Um, you know their execution of that offense is just so important with the tempo because most most teams really no teams. Uh, um, are quite re- 100% ready for it. Uh, Joe Milton can throw the ball to the moon. I've never seen in person a quarterback, and I covered a number of NFL games for years, I've never seen a guy in person that can throw the ball like he can. Last year, that was a problem because he overthrew a lot of guys, uh, had no touch on the ball. This year, in mop-up duty, he looks like he's fixed that. He's thrown really good deep balls. Uh, but that's mop-up duty. That's you know against twos and threes late in a blowout. He hasn't since he was starter early last season, he hasn't done a full four quarters, make adjustments, um, get over bad throws, um, be in a competitive situation. He just hadn't done that in a year and a half. So I'll be interested to see how he does it, especially if we get rain. Um, his arm is good in weather because he's got a really strong arm, um, but nobody's great in that type of weather. Um you know, I, I also think we can't overlook the fact that is, you know, this offense is the best in the country statistically, but it never really has to deal with errors by its quarterback. Right. I mean, Hidden Hooker threw like it's like fifty-eight touchdowns, and he never he never made a mistake. Yeah, I think it's fifty-eight touchdowns, maybe four picks, something like that, in in almost two seasons. Uh, there's almost never a time when the offense says, well, you know, our quarterback let us down there. It's always right. just you think 100% of the time he's going to make the right decision. And if Joe Milton throws a pick, 
Um, how's that offense going to react to that? Uh, I'll be interested to see. Just as big as maybe Milton, because uh, I think Milton's going to be fine, but uh, there's injuries to receivers um, that could affect this game. Uh, Cedric Tillman has been banged up uh, for a while now. He was not 100% this past game. Brew McCoy was not 100% at the end of the game. I think he was limping off the field. That's two of their three starters. So are those both of those guys available? One of them available, none available. That that certainly affects things. And every piece that you take out of that offense of what's worked all season, I think the you know the more mistakes you you, you could have. If Tennessee comes out and is offensively looks like what it has looked like, they're going to beat Vandy, and they're going to beat Vandy by double digits. If they're a little off kilter, it's going to it's you know I think Vanderbilt's going to smell blood in the water, and and then we probably have a game. Adam, you talked about the irony. Well, we talked about the irony of, you know, you covering Tennessee for this game, but the irony of the similarities between the 2016 game and this year's game are almost, uh, it's almost the same situation. Now, 2016 Tennessee probably wasn't as well coached and well, I, I think, put together as a program, you know, under Butch Jones at that point, but they had a lot of talent, a really good quarterback, good weapons on the outside, maybe not the best defense. Tennessee at this point in the season nine and two if they win maybe they're in the sugar bowl I mean that's that's the exact situation they were in in 2016 Vanderbilt was able to take them down yes they did have Kyle Shermer and uh you know likely a better offense but does this remind you of that 2016 game in that situation uh, at least you know a little bit yeah and I think 2016 for Tennessee if I remember right they lost to South Carolina also yes. um and, and that sort of got them a little off track and then the Vanderbilt game knocked them off the track and from where they thought they could go, which, which mm-hmm. was the sugar bowl. Um, you know, I think that, I mean, Tennessee could still get to the sugar orange or cotton technically. I, I think the way that the CFP rankings lay out, um, the likelihood is the cotton bowl still, maybe the orange bowl, but I, 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 I mean, I, I'm looking at flats at the cotton bowl right now. So that's, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's the likelihood um, if they win. But, I mean, regardless of which bowl it is, yeah, if they win, they're probably in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, if they lose, they're, they're, they're dropping out of that. And Vanderbilt, yeah, can Vanderbilt wins or in a bowl? So, yeah, it reminds me a whole lot of 2016 because there's something on the line for both programs. It's right. a little different, but there is a carrot at the end of that if you can win the game. In 2016, uh Tennessee took for granted that game and still had a little bit of a hangover from things that it had lost out on and missed out on. And and like the phrase I used before, Vanderbilt had smelled blood in the water in that game. And uh, now that was a veteran. 2016 was a veteran Vanderbilt team. Yeah that had guys that thought this is where I'm gonna make my mark. This is where I'm gonna um, I'm going to be remembered as leading leading this team, leading this program, you know, to a to a height that they hadn't been at in a little while. Back to a bowl and respectability, and you know, I'm trying to think. I remember uh, that year they beat Georgia and Athens. Um, yes, they gave Auburn a great game, and then they beat Tennessee. And so that that you know, for the guys that left that team that year, they said, okay, we we made our mark, and it it all culminated with the win over Tennessee. A, a, from afar, I don't see as much of those veteran-type guys on this Vanderbilt team. I see more of a Vandy team 
um, that's sort of ascending that probably has their best football ahead of them next year. Um, but, you know, uh, they've got a lot of energy to them. Um, you know, if you beat Kentucky and you beat Florida back to back, there's no reason you think you can't beat Tennessee. It, it just so much of this, I think, just goes down to morale and the psychological aspect of it. That played a big part in the 2016 game, and I think it will in this one. It, Vandy, I think, will be ready to play, um, but uh, more of it, I think, comes down to Tennessee. Are they ready to play? Is there a hangover? Do they? How motivated are they? Do they want to bounce back, and are they hungry, or are they still thinking about what happened last week and what could have been? Whichever Tennessee team comes out, I think we'll probably know that in the first quarter, and whichever one that is will probably dictate whether this is a, you know, a three-touchdown win by Tennessee or a field goal at the end. Well, and last week, Adam, was so surprising. I mean, you know, by, by all college football fans, I think, watching that game, there were a lot of people that did tune in. What South Carolina was able to do was simply take advantage of, of Tennessee's defense and their secondary. We saw what they were able to do to upset Tennessee. Is that the same recipe for Vanderbilt, do you think? I mean, it, you know, you saw what happened for Vanderbilt to compete and maybe win this game. Is, is that what, you know, you think is likely for them to do to, to, to pull this off? Well, I will say that Vandy, it's on paper, either before or after that South Carolina game, on paper, I don't love the matchup for Vandy um, because I think, you know, uh, I mean, also, which which quarterback are we going to see for Vanderbilt? But uh, Mike Wright throwing some, running a lot. Um, Tennessee would rather face that than a guy that can throw it really well like A.J. Swan yeah. can. So maybe we see a little Swan. I would I would think maybe if he's if he's healthy, maybe we see both of those guys. Um, you know, Vanderbilt will like to establish the run. Um, Tennessee's perfectly fine with that. They're pretty good against the run. They're bad against the pass. So if the team wants to run, that they would prefer that. So uh, on on paper, I don't love Vandy's uh, matchup in terms of personnel and scheme, um, and they're going to have some pretty tough decisions because anytime you see your upcoming opponent lose a game they shouldn't have lost or you see something that could be exposed, you kind of have to decide, do you do what's in your comfort zone but maybe isn't a great matchup, but you do it well? Or plan B, do you change what you do to then do what um, what maybe hurts the opponent the most? And Clark Lee's going to have to de- decide that because – um, you know, they can throw it downfield. And if, uh, if, if, you know, if they do, I don't, if they stretch the field a lot, I don't think that's necessarily right in Vanderbilt's comfort level, but that's what's worked against Tennessee. South Carolina protected well and they threw to open receivers who couldn't, who just could not be covered. Can, can Vandy mimic that? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, Clark Lee probably has to have, and I'm sure he will, a, you know, a, a, absolute plan of what they're going to do and not just sort of go in and see what works because if you do that if you if you do that second one against Tennessee you may find yourself down 21 nothing at the at the end of the first quarter and, and that's the other thing about Tennessee is that if you take the South Carolina and the Georgia games out of it the way that Tennessee has beaten teams is that the team the the opponent becomes somebody that they're not and they do it even before the game starts Brian Kelly at LSU was going for it on fourth down at midfield, um, which he would not have done in other games, like fourth and 10 at midfield going for it. Well, why, why are you doing that? Well, you, you have to because Tennessee's going to score 50, so you just have to change right. who you are. Uh, Billy Napier at Florida was doing the same thing, 
just and if you go into a game saying I'm going to play the opponent's game because I have to, otherwise I'll get blown out. You're already beat, and yep. I would think Clark Lee would know better than to do that. Yeah, and he talked about that. He said that's simply not the formula. Us getting into a shootout with 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 Tennessee. I mean, that's not the formula. It can't be the formula for us. Adam, real quick here before I let you go, uh, kind of a two part question. What do you think the crowd's going to look like? Now, obviously, Tennessee fans will have more fans in the building, but to what extent? You know, what what extent do you think uh, that will be orange slash black and gold uh, in Nashville Saturday night? But also, what's your prediction for uh, for Saturday night? Um. It'll be about a quarter Vanderbilt, three quarters uh, Tennessee. Um, you know, I think there was some thought that maybe Tennessee would uh, there would be less fewer Tennessee fans now that they lost the South Carolina game and all that. But I, I think most Tennessee fans bought their tickets uh, right before the South Carolina game. Um, the weather could affect either crowd, I guess. Um, I just think there's a lot of Tennessee fans that are going to be sitting around Thanksgiving dinner or Black Friday shopping or whatever and say, you know, hey, do you want to go to the Vandy game? And they're going to look at tickets on StubHub and those tickets, the prices are going to be dropping closer to kickoff. And and then the the ones that said they weren't going to go a few days ago are going to go. Um, So I think it's going to be about 75% UT, um, 25% Vandy. Uh, The hardcore Vandy uh fans will go and then they'll get a few extra on top of that you're not going to have you know the vandy students aren't going to be there because uh, the holiday break so it, it'll be about three quarters tennessee i would expect um and uh prediction um i think on our site this week i picked a, like 38 24 tennessee something like that i mean the the, the thing about picking tennessee games is always weird because you can pick right around the line, and a lot of times they're like a 17-point favorite or something in some of these games, and then they win by 40. Yeah. Um, and so you, you never know offensively what you're going to get. I think they will look flawed on offense at times because of the because of the quarterback change, because of the conditions. So I don't think this is going to be a game where they're putting up 50. Um, I think the defense will be better. I think they'll be somewhat motivated. I think they match up better with Vandy uh, defensively than they certainly did South Carolina. Vandy will score. I don't think Vandy's going to be able to to keep pace with Tennessee. So, I, you know, 38-24, something like that. I think Tennessee wins by a couple touchdowns. But uh, a field goal game in the fourth quarter would not shock me. Uh, Tennessee by 30 would not shock me. So I guess I'm kind of picking in between the two. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, Adam. I'll, re- I'll release mine, of course, in our episode uh, later today. But uh, thank you so much for joining. Good luck with your coverage. Of course, you will be in Nashville. Bring the poncho. It's it's a shocker. It's supposed to rain at Vanderbilt Stadium, huh? First Bank. First Bank Stadium. <laughs> uh, first Bank. You got me, Adam. <laughs> Yeah, I'm shocker to, to everyone that I got that wrong. But uh, Adam, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. All right, good to be on.